what? You know what actually amuses me? Whenever I mention the worst of Trek or the worst of TOS, this episode comes up automatically. In fact, no joke, just a few minutes ago while I was working on this episode, I was talking with Lord Reloaded, and I mentioned that I was working on the worst episode I'd seen in TOS so far, and he was like, Spock's brain? And I had to clarify, no, and the children shall lead. And his response was, I don't even remember that episode. This is my theory. Spock's brain is well-known, very well-known. It's, it's mocked. There's actually a decent amount of parody about this episode. And as a consequence, people tend to automatically single it out because it's so memorable. This is a very meme-worthy episode. But um, I don't think it's the worst because I think the actual worst episodes are, you know, episodes that people don't even think about and try to skip whenever they come around to it, where Spock's brain is like, ah, yeah, Spock's brain. <laughs> brain and brain. I even mentioned this, no joke. I mentioned that I was working on this episode, and one of the people in my Discord just responded with a direct quote, brain in brain, what is brain? Because it's memeable, right? Now, this is going on the skip list. I'm never watching this one again. Maybe. But it's going pretty high up on the skip list for me, because it's not that bad. <laughs> It's stupid, but this is Star Trek. Anyways, now that I've completely destroyed all my Trek cred, let me continue doing that. This um, was written by Kuhn, Gene Kuhn, obviously. And I bet, I bet Nimoy hated this episode, by the way. Either way, David Gerald mentioned an idea. Uh, he posited the theory that they were desperate for scripts and they tapped Kuhn. And Kuhn, of course, was still uh, contract-bound to write this. He would still write, I think, two more episodes after this. And so he was like, well, okay. And he threw together this as a joke. Either because he felt Star Trek needed more comedy, or because he felt like, you know, screw you guys, you, you guys kind of ruined my life for several years, or however you want to think of it. And so he put out the most ridiculous concept he possibly could. They removed Spock's brain and put it into a machine, and here we are. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not trying to defend this episode, don't mistake me. I just don't think it is as bad as some of the dreck we've already covered. <sighs> also, this is... This is the last Mark Daniels episode. This is the final one. He was sick of the show, and he was sick of everything, and he was actually offered... They offered to bring him back for, for, for future stuff in Season 3, and he said, nope. He just noped out of there. Now, I want you to keep that in mind. They were the three rotators, right? Now, we've already lost, Pe lost Pevney. We lost him back in Season 2. And now we have lost Mark Daniels. The only one left is Sinensky, and we're going to lose him in a few episodes here. Not even that long from now. Anyways, let's talk about the episode proper. This, you ready for this? I'm going to lose the rest of my viewers now. Here it comes. This is a South Park episode. Go ahead. Whatever, whatever you got to say, whatever, you know, get it out of your system. You know, do what you got to do. It's okay. I understand. I just realized my camera is offset. No wonder it's been weird lately. I'm sorry. The camera does this weird thing, where it does not seem to understand how to maintain a specific position, despite the fact that you know the settings are supposed to stick. So I do apologize for that. We'll just kind of adjust that and pretend that everything's cool professional. 
I'm already dealing with, with what I can with this camera, so... It's not like anybody actually accuses me of being a professional, right? South Park episode. See, what I did there was I kind of distracted you for a bit with something that doesn't actually matter so that everyone could have a moment to degauze from that and to run to the comments and either tell me I'm an idiot or realize what I'm about to say before I say it or wait for my explanation, which I will now give. South Park uh, obviously does several types of humor, but one of the types of humor that I most associate with it is the totally ridiculous played completely straight. Imagine, you know, the, 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 the Warcraft episode, or the Family Guy episode, or the Tower to Heaven episode. They're, they're ridiculous nonsense. And, and anyone watching it knows it's nonsense, but none of the characters are in on the joke. This is actually a, a, a related thing to the Leslie Nielsen effect, which I've referenced a few times before. Basically, when the ridiculous is played completely straight, as if it is a deadly serious matter... That's the joke at that point. That is how it is presenting its humor. Which leads me to this episode. This is a ridiculous episode, even by Trek standards. It is also played completely straight. I mentioned in my notes here, and I'll just go ahead and talk about this now, that DeForest Kelly does a very good job of actually playing this very straight, and he, he does the best he can to play this as a serious drama. That's the joke. I don't know if that was done for the intent of humor, but it adds to the humor, at least for me. To be perfectly blunt, I think this episode is a comedy. I don't think it was intended to be a comedy, at least by some of the production staff, but I think the net result is a comedic episode. It's just not as good as, you know, uh, Piece of the Action or um, Trouble of Tribbles. It's certainly funnier than some of the crap I've seen on TNG. And DS9. And Voyager. I can't include Enterprise in that. I haven't really seen a comedic episode of Enterprise yet. Anyways. <clears throat> so, yeah, this is, this is where we're at. So this person beams aboard, and nobody does anything to her whatsoever. They just look at her like, hi. I mean, they call for security. They not, are they not armed on the bridge? Considering how many times people just beam onto the bridge or whatever, you'd think they'd have at least one gun handy where they could go... Bzz. Because a quick stun blast would solve all this. I mean, you have guns that don't kill. Use them. <laughs> like, in real life, we wouldn't have that. We'd have a gun, and we could shoot her leg, and that would be our option. And that's not really an ideal solution, is it? Anyways. So she shuts off everything with a touch of a button. Somehow. And then she also very, very carefully, and the episode goes out of its way to mention this, very carefully and specifically removes the brain in a way that leaves the body perfectly intact and the brain perfectly intact. Now, the last last half of that makes perfect sense. She needs the brain. Why does she go so far out of her way to make sure the body is capable of retaking the brain later? Why does she give a damn? Right? I mean, she could just be like, pull that sucker out, and we're good. She doesn't care. By the way, at one point, Spock mentions that no science they have, or maybe it's not Spock, so I think it's Spock, that nobody has any science for removing a brain. I think that's mentioned twice in the episode. And both times Kirk responds to it, but they know. The person who did this knows. Yes, yeah, so do the androids. On iMud's planet, you remember that? They offered that to Uhura. We'll put your brain in an android body. You'll be cool. For 50 millennia, or excuse me, uh, 500 millennia is what they offered. Am I the only person who remembers that planet? I know, I know, continuity. But as I said, my own rules were I'm willing to acknowledge this stuff up till now. 
or rather, I'm willing to dismiss everything after a point, the point the episode's at, but everything before is fair game. Which ironically makes TOS less consistent the further on goes on, which is combined with the fact that season three kind of sucks, so we have an interesting situation, don't we? Anyways, so DeForest Kelly goes very full South Park, I already mentioned that, and they decide, okay, let's go figure this out. He's, this is actually funny. So he's dying? No, he's fine. That's set at 6 minutes and 15 seconds. At 7 minutes and 9 seconds, less than a minute later, he's dying, Jim. We need to take care of him. We've got 24 hours. Good to have the artificial time limit. So then they set max speed to get out of here, which is apparently warp 6, and also involves the stars not moving on this thing. Actually, I do want to comment on that. They were trying something new. They wanted the stars to be visible going on the set. I'm saying this wrong. On the set. As in, it, the actor could see the stars moving on the screen he was looking at. As opposed to just doing that in post. That's why that effect doesn't look all that impressive. But it actually kind of is impressive. And I, I wanted to give praise where praise is due for that. They also do some cool things. There's a surprisingly decent scene between Kirk, Chekhov, Sulu, and Uhura as they all debate and puzzle their way through the situation. Chekhov gives the briefing, and Chekhov, Sulu, and Uhura all give their opinions on what they think they should do. It's not a great scene, but it reminds me a lot of what would eventually become the norm on both TNG and Voyager, with the magic meeting room on Voyager and the conference room on TNG. Very similar vibe. And it's weird to see just a legitimately good scene in what is otherwise a terrible or hilarious, or both, episode. Anyways, they rush off, woo, and they go to the spot. And, God, this is when I have to mention something. It probably doesn't look like it. I actually put a lot of thought and effort into my show. I'm trying to present myself as professionally as I can, despite my earlier thing with the camera. And I know that there's some little green outlines in my shirt that I can't really get rid of. And I know that this isn't perfect quality because I can't actually output at the proper fr frame rate because of issues I don't feel like getting into right now. I, I do the best I can to look the best I can. And one of the things I've studied a lot lately, from my perspective, is lighting. Right now I actually have four lights going in order to make this effect going and try to look as good as I can for you guys. I know most of you probably don't care, but, you know, someone does, right? Anyways, the reason I bring this up is in studying lighting and how lighting works, I've come to know more about it. And, of course, what happens the more you study something, well, the more you notice it, especially in fiction. This is related to the problem with IT professionals or actual programmers or network engineers who watch movies about IT professionals, network engineers, and programming, usually summarized by the word hacking. You know, like, like, like the more you know about something and then you watch something that's related to your topic of interest and you're like, oh my god, because you can't help but notice now, right? Anyway, so the lighting sucks in this episode. I'm just going to rush forward to the end of that point there. Again, they already they changed several things behind the scenes and I think at this point, uh, Jerry uh, Finhammer had already bowed out of the show. So, yeah, the, the difference is starting to show. There are several scenes that are cut immediately off of each other, like one scene to the next, where it's obvious that they were using either a different lens or different lighting setup or something because it looks completely different. And even the remaster can only polish after that so over that so much. So they beam down. Then they fight the locals who have stupid outfits, and we find out that they have pain and delight. Pain and delight. Wait, did you hear what they mentioned? Yes, it was something about pain and delight. Okay, we've got the pain and delight. Why don't we go ahead and figure out what we can here. 
but, but then they have to beam Spock down because they got to get him back to his brain. Okay, that makes sense. Why does Spock make a ticking noise when he moves under control of the the box? If I'm being generous, it's probably the device that's wrapped around his head that's making the ticking device. But you you hear it, right? Every time he moves. Because he's an automaton, get it? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not sure what I make of that. They get down and there's a woman there. Luma? Lumu? Something like that? And they shoot her immediately, which is which is smart. Because they have the belt thing, which can disable them immediately. So you need to be right on that. So it's good to see that they have learned from their previous encounter, and now they know shoot on sight. Remember, these guys have stun. And shoot on sight is a lot less harsh when you can just stun the enemy rather than kill them. Frankly, I think Star Trek should use shoot on sight a lot more than it does. My opinion. Again, with stun, obviously. So they shoot her. They try to figure out what's going on. They fail miserably. But then they find Spock on the comms. Excellent. Good idea. Good idea. Oh, hey, there's the other leader. I've got an idea. Rather than getting the jump on her like I just did successfully, I'm going to approach her and be all angry and upset. And then I'm going to be... Oh, oh, she hit her belt. Forgot to pull the gun first. Right. Well, that's okay. Kirk's a moron. This then leads to the interrogation scene. And I had a revelation during the scene. And I'm not even joking. They're pack leads. Think about it. I am not even joking. These people who were super mega advanced have, have stumbled on because of good interface, is really what this boils down to. And they have mentally atrophied. Both, both sides of their society have mentally atrophied to the point of being non-functional. Okay, that sucks. They also... Um, just, just listen to the dialogue in the scene where... The crew tries to interrogate the... I don't remember what their species name is called. We're going to call them the Paclid. The Pacladinas. And the Pacladinas try to interrogate them back. And since they have such a... Both sides completely don't understand the circumstance. They don't understand that they're dealing with morons who know nothing. And they're morons who know nothing. So it just kind of goes boing. And the whole scene is basically like trying to interrogate a Paclid. Remember, at the end of this episode, they get rid of the controller and basically throw them to the wolves and say, ah, fix it. You'll, you'll adapt. Which, by the way, you remember way back in Return of the Archons, which is an episode I did not like and put on my skip list, but they did something really cool in that episode that I don't think they've done since, and it keeps coming to my mind. They left behind people and specialists to help the locals adapt to the fact that whatever it is they were dependent on has been taken away from them. And they do that a lot on Star Trek, the take away what you're dependent on thing, right? They did that in the Apple, for, an, for another example, another episode I hated. And they do it here. Why isn't leave behind some specialists to help them cope standard procedure? You'd think they could use it, right? But no. No, they leave them behind, and so as a direct consequence, these people are going to become packlets. I'm telling you. So they know nothing. Brain in brain, what is brain? Then Kirk is a moron, and rather, you know, he actually gets right up to the point where he could basically shove his head into her leg. Or somewhere else, go ahead and be crude if you want to. But my point is, he's kneeling right in front of her. In a millisecond, he could grab her arms and, and be capable of preventing her from using the bell, right? Instead, what he does is he tries to... I have no idea what he's trying to do here. It's not his... Kirk's pretty good at infiltrating. We've seen this several times. We saw that not too long ago with the Enterprise incident. Here he's just like, 
I beseech you, let me do what this is. And she's like, no, you're lying. And he's like, oh, okay. And he gives up immediately, too. So then they rush off, and they leave him there. By the way, you notice the food cubes? The food cubes are back. Even these people have the food cubes. They're universal. They leave them with the two big guys. And i, I got to admit, my first thought was, why don't they just fight the two big guys to get their equipment back? This is exactly what they do, so hey, that actually made perfect sense. But then then there's a back and forth. we got to have our fourth iteration of pain and delight. So he says, pain and delight, he said above. And McCoy says, I'm sure you noticed the delightful aspect. And Kirk says, yes, I certainly did notice those delightful aspects. Raise eyebrow. But that, too, was strictly under the command of the women. Explain that one to me. Go go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, wait. Telegram. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's see here. Really? I never thought about it that way. Okay. You've convinced me. Either way, this then leads to them rushing off to find Spock. And then they get to this... <laughs> just uh, They have a fight. I, I, I actually forgot to mention this. The fight with the dudes is actually not bad by the fight standards. It's, again, a comedy, although it's almost assuredly not intended to be one, because they're having this big, epic fight with these two guys. And then it cuts to Spock, who's just doing this. So they go, and they find her. And then she uses the pain thing. And they're like, no, we're super pained, but I will fight through the pain. Not to reach out to her and hit the, the red button, which would probably take, uh, I don't know, a few seconds and a bit of concentration. No, instead he, he grabs the control device for Spock and through the pain controls the device to control Spock. This feels needless, is what I'm trying to say here. Either way, Spock goes and defeats her. Yay. This then lends to her, leads to her uh, deciding to... You know, they, they put the thing on her so she could gain the knowledge. It's like, aha, now she knows how to work. And she's got it. It all makes perfect sense now. Yes. And now you'll understand how I now have the knowledge of this. And she pulls out a phaser. Two things. First, where the hell did she get that from? Second of all, why is it set to kill? Remember, this is a phaser she just has on her, which means it's not in the bundle that was left, which means it, it was something she took with her which means somewhere along the line someone, probably her, just randomly fiddled with the dials and managed to turn it from stun to kill. Unintentionally. Cute. Because you remember, she doesn't really know what it is or how to properly use it until after the thing, but she, there's no time for her to grab it. It was already on her person. Oh yeah, by the way, I slowed the, the footage down to as slow as it would go. So I'm going to demonstrate with my code here. She's got this flap as her skirt, like, pretend this is her waist. And she's got this flap right here. And there's a little pocket, you can barely see it, it's like right here, actually, right about where this actual uh, little pocket thing is. And it's right there. And she pulls it out almost immediately. She's like this, and then she goes whoonk, and just pulls it out very, very quickly. But that's actually, for the longest time, I've wondered where the hell she pulls that out from. Anyways. This is, of course, probably the worst scene in the episode for me. Yeah, no, really. You know why? Because this is the stupid commercial break thing again. I have this weapon, Captain, that's set to kill. Dun, dun, dun. 
cut back from commercial. Oh, you don't want to kill. No, of course I don't want to kill. And Scotty goes, ah, and they take it from her. Threat's over. Okay. This is when Kirk kind of weirds me out just a little bit. She constantly tries to plead with him to let them keep the controller because they're screwed. Because they don't know how to operate their society without it. You know what he offers her in, re in return? You know, in other words, like, does he try to make a deal with her, a bargain with her, convince her? No, all he says is, screw you, I'm taking this. He doesn't offer her anything. And when she complains that their society will now die, he says, you'll figure it out. There are other ways to control men. No, really, he says that. <laughs> Not in those words. Uh, I think she says something like, how will we control the men without the pain? And I think that's when he says, there are other ways. So there you go, there's a direct quote for you. Bones gets the knowledge, Bones loses the knowledge, and then the second worst scene in the episode happens, which is when Spock has to tell McCoy how to reconnect his brain. This is probably the one and only contribution Robert Justman has made to Star Trek that I actually dislike. He admits this, too, by the way. He flat out says this was his idea. This one thing. The, the, the Spock telling him how to reconnect the thing. Wow. Then the episode ends, and there's, it ends on a wah-wah, because this is a comedy episode, the end. You could see how, despite my earlier assertion that this is not a lamentation, and it's not, this is not a good episode. The only good that can be found from it is the fact that it's basically an MST3K episode. You just have to provide the track yourself. In that lens, it is enjoyable, but bad. That's why my final rating... Oh, sorry, sorry. No, I do have one last thing to say here. This is another first in Star Trek history. This is our first Lower Decks episode. No, not the concept, the show. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I haven't actually watched Lower Decks as of this moment, as if I'm recording this. So I have no idea if they approach their humor like this. But couldn't you see an episode like this being on a comedy, an actual comedy Star Trek show like Lower Decks? Couldn't you see it? I hope you've enjoyed what I got, guys. I'll see you next time.